0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Arnie's. We are three guys wanting to join Eddie Munson's Hellfire Club with nothing better to do. I'm Matt Johnson, and Kate Bush was used excessively this season, and I loved it.
1: I'm Keith Baker, and let's spark up some purple palm tree delight.
2: And I'm Austin Terry,
0: and I forgot Mike Wheeler was in this show. I think Finn Wolfhard did as well. On today's show, we are, of course, talking about the ending and part two of the fourth season of Stranger Things over on Netflix. Uh, Of course, Stranger Things season four, part one was three years in the making. They certainly kept us waiting. I know COVID and certain delays had to push it back, but it was a long time. And I know all three of us were pretty much chomping at the bit to get some more. And season four, part one kind of knocked it out of the park, I got to say. Um, and kind of a weird, um, plan here when it came to releasing the season. Maybe you guys know more than I do. I'm not sure exactly why they decided to break it up because they gave us season four, part one at the end of May and part two released on July 1st. So it was basically just a month in between. I guess maybe they were still working on certain things or they felt it was a good idea, but they gave us seven episodes in season four, part one. And then season four, part two is only two, but they're kind of supercharged, extra long episodes. The finale itself is two and a half hours, so certainly a lot of content here. And, you know, I'm always excited to talk about stuff when we loved the previous iteration with part one. Will part two make us feel the same way? I'm certainly excited to get into it. So how about, guys, you remind the listeners your thoughts on season four, part one, then let's go ahead and get into non-spoiler thoughts on Stranger Things Season 4 Part 2.
2: Yeah, my thoughts on Season 4 Part 1. I loved Part 1. I I definitely was thinking this could be the best season since Season 1. I did think there were some storylines that were a bit underused and didn't feel as important as some of the other storylines. But overall, I thought Part 1 was a a smash hit. Um, And now that we have Part 2 and we can look at the entirety of Season 4, I think this is the best season since Season 1. I think they absolutely knocked it out of the park. I think they've had some really interesting new developments in the Upside Down. There's been some really great new characters that have come in this season and kind of added to an already great cast. Did it need to be part one and part two? I don't know about that. Um, Is part two a little overbloated? Probably, but I love this world so much that spending more time in Stranger Things is never going to be an issue for me. Everything they put out, I thought, worked and set up a really interesting cliffhanger to get into season five next year. And I just can't wait to talk about season four, part two, and then see season five next year.
1: Yeah, I don't have too much to add to that. I mean, Austin pretty much nailed it, so I second everything he just said. Um, I love what they've done with the villain aspect in the whole sci-fi world of things. I like the jumping back and forth between different areas around the globe. We got Russia, we got Hawkins, we got California, and as far as you know, going into a part two, I do want to talk to you guys about that later. I don't know if it was necessary for them to do that. Definitely confused of why they decided to smashed the part two into, like, two long episodes. Didn't Didn't know why they wanted to do that, but we'll get into that later. But overall, still enjoying it, and looking forward to season five.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, season four, part one, like, was better than season one. I thought that was the best Stranger Things has ever been. And I was really, really excited for part two based on how that ended, and I kind of, at the time, was like, oh, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be basically just the finale. You know, they gave us the entire like, story, and then part two, since it's only two episodes, is just going to be kind of the conclusion to that. Um, And now that I've watched it, I think I can definitely say that it's worse than part one. It's not bad. Um, I still really liked it. It's just... The thing I was thinking about whenever the credits rolled was the whole conversation about, you know, journey versus the destination. You know, whenever people talk about great shows, like, you know, Game of Thrones is a good example. You know, that finale came out, and People hated that last season, but people still consider it a great show because everything that led up to that you know, final season was impeccable. So the journey was worth the bad destination. And this, this was a very weird kind of microcosm of that because it's almost like season four part one is the journey. They give us the entire setup, the entire story. And then part two is just this big, super long um, epilogue and conclusion to that. So it's the destination. And I didn't love it. It just... Yeah, like Austin said, it was definitely overbloated at times. It really kind of started to stick out that maybe the characters didn't need to be split up the way they were because they just all don't have very interesting stuff to do. There's certainly some standouts and then a bunch of them are just kind of there, unfortunately, although the acting is still great. Um, yeah. And and I'm definitely ecstatic for season five. I think where it ends is super exciting. So I still really enjoyed it. I had a great time watching them. It's just, yeah, I, I was kind of a little bit let down because it was like, oh, OK, this just feels like a very long, little bit of a disappointing, overbloated ending. Um, I don't know about you, Keith Austin. It definitely reminded me of very random example. The uh, very long but very good epilogue of Red Dead Redemption 2 where once you start that you're like oh wow it's going to be a very fun little exciting ending and then it's like 4 hours long and you're like oh my god like this is good but holy shit this is long <laughs> why am i still playing this game yeah so it, this had a, a few examples of that where it's like yeah these are all great moments emotional action packed super good but there's there's enough in there that you wonder why it's this long so yeah, definitely my review, still liked it, would recommend it, just, you know, there are some things I want to talk about that are spoilery, that I'm kind of like, eh, it's kind of dragging my uh, uh, rating down, I guess I would say.
2: I agree that I think the biggest issue with season four is everybody being split up. I mean, you forget some characters are even in the show. Like, there was a moment when we did cut back to Mike, and I was like, oh yeah, Mike's here this season. I thought he was just out of the show, like, no joke. I think it would have helped the show a lot if we had just had this season be our Hawkins crew and the Russia story. I think that would have helped a lot of like the cutting around that we kept having to do to other characters. I think the Hawkins crew is, is the best it's been. I, I think that is what I had the most fun with this season. Um, and that's what I'm really excited to talk about. Now that where season four, part two ended, I think season five isn't going to have those same issues. Um, but I do totally agree that I think some characters did get lost just by where they were in their like importance level in the story.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I think I liked the idea of them being split up in part one, um, but then going into part two, you just kind of get tired of it. But I'm I'm with you guys. I mean, the the Hawkins crew is definitely the highlight of the overall season of part one and part two.
0: Well, I mean, there is just so damn much to talk about. Like we said, there are four storylines to cover, so tons of spoilers in there. Let's just go ahead and get into it. If you have not watched Stranger Things season four, part two, please Go check it out. Go watch it. If you haven't watched Stranger Things at all, I guess, you know what? Just go Go ahead. Pop on Netflix. Hit season one, episode one. And once you get through season four, part two, come on back. We're about to get into spoilers. We'll be waiting for it. Alright everybody, welcome to Spoiler Territory. As always, since this is a part two, let's do a quick little catch-up to remind everybody where we're at. So of course, our gang is split up. Our Hawkins crew is trying to escape the Upside Down, but Nancy Wheeler is captured. Hopper and Enzo have avoided the Demogorgon in Russia and reunited with Joyce and Murray. Mike Will, Jonathan, and Argyle are on their way to Nevada to find Eleven. And speaking of, Eleven has worked with Dr. Brenner and Owens to reacquire her powers and memories, and with that, she of course realizes that as a child, she witnessed one massacre her siblings, and in retaliation, she opened a gate for the first time and sent him to the Upside Down, where he would eventually become Vecna, the same entity that would come to terrorize all of the groups in present day.
2: Alright, so Stranger Things is of course created by the Duffer Brothers, and the Duffer Brothers also wrote and directed both episodes for Season 4 Part 2. Our score for the show is composed by Michael Stein and Kyle Dixon.
1: All right, and going to our cast, we have Winona Ryder as Joyce Byers, David Harbour as Hopper, Millie Bobby Brown as Eleven Jane Hopper, Finn Wolford as Mike Wheeler, Gatt Matarazzo as Dustin Henderson, Caleb McLaughlin as Lucas Sinclair, Noah Schnapp as Will Byers, Sadie Sink as Max Mayfield, Natalia Dyer as Nancy Wheeler, Charlie Heaton as Jonathan Byers, Joe Keery as Steve Harrington, Maya Hawke as Robin Buckley, Brett Gelman as Murray, Prior Ferguson as Erica Sinclair, Joseph Quinn as Eddie Munson, Jamie Campbell-Bauer as Henry Creel, aka One, aka Vecna, Eduardo Franco as Argyle, Tom Vlachishaw as Enzo Antonov, Mason Dye as Jason, and we got Matthew Modine as Dr. Brenner, and Paul Reiser as Sam Owens. All right, guys, there's a long cast and crew. Any positives, any negatives? What do we
2: got? I mean, how could the highlight not be Joseph Quinn as Eddie Munson? I'm, I've been trying to think of, of a guy that came in as a one and done single season character that has made this much of an impact on any show. And I can't think of one. I think this might be the best side character ever introduced to a show. I was actually so sad when uh, he bit the dust. Um, I was honestly hoping it would be Steve over Eddie. That's how much I liked him. And I'm really sad
0: he won't be back for season five. What is the percentage chance um, that the writers wanted or thought about killing Steve here? But then mm-hmm. we're then basically backed out at the last minute. And we're like, well, what if we introduced a character that was kind of similar to Steve and we killed them instead? I mean, l- let's talk about. Eddie's last words. He's literally saying to Dustin, who if Steve ever dies, the person he'll be talking to when he dies is Dustin. And he's like, you got to look after those little sheep for me. Steve would say the same thing. He's the babysitter. He's like, you know, I I love you, man. Like this really felt like this was supposed to be Steve. And then they just kind of chickened out and we'll introduce another character and kill them instead. I do think Eddie's
2: death was a cop out for the show because they weren't willing to kill any of their evergreen characters. And I totally agree that this is the exact same scene that Steve and Dustin would have. They're just too scared, I think, to kill off an actual, like, important character. Because anybody that's ever died in the show hasn't been someone important. Looking at just Eddie's arc in a vacuum, though, I thought it was a good moment for the character. And I think the character was fantastic this season. Oh, he, yeah. He was awesome. Yeah, he was probably my favorite, for sure. Um,
1: I'll go with uh, Natalia Dyer as Nancy Wheeler. I just thought she was fun, really fun, This overall for part one and part two lot of emotion she
2: showed and i like the fact that she has like a uh, a shotgun in this part too i think it's fun that we've gone from fighting these monsters with slingshots in season one to now the older kids are fully armed and like know exactly what they're walking into i think it makes a lot of sense for their characters too because they've all grown up um in this world
0: i think i'll shout out a pair um i'll shout out one of the people i shouted out last time because i think she's one of if not like the best actress on the show and that's sadie sink as Max, I think tons of emotional and crazy and exciting, and the emotions are on the gamut with what she has to do this uh, this part of season four. And I didn't shut him out last time, but maybe I should have because I thought he was even better in part two. Extremely emotional was Caleb McLaughlin as Lucas. Uh, man, mm. I got to say, when it comes to just acting, I feel like... The rawest moment in the entire season four, maybe even like the moments in the entire series, was whenever Max comes out of her Vecna trance, or whatever you call it, and she's basically pleading with Lucas to somehow save her from dying. And Lucas is that that entire moment was pretty insane. I think I have to shout out both of them just for that.
2: Yeah, I was really happy Lucas got some of the spotlight in part two because he's always kind of been third fiddle to Mike and Dustin. So seeing him actually he had a huge part in part two and a ton of screen time and, and like you I'll echo that I think he was super emotional and gave a great performance yeah but really shout out to all
1: these kids like the, I was thinking after I finished it yesterday I was like man all these kids can really act because they
2: all cried their freaking eyes out at one point <laughs> or another yeah the, the Duffer Brothers and the casting director really hit the jackpot with these kids uh, starting with season one there's no Jake Lloyds in this cast that's for sure
0: Jake we miss you I'm a person <laughs> My name is Will Byers. Do you like my haircut? All right. With that, everybody, let's go ahead and get into our freeform discussion. We each brought a bunch of thoughts, a bunch of opinions, a bunch of just random things that we simply had to talk about more in depth when it comes to this season. So, guys, as always, I'll start us off. General thoughts. Are there any standout points about this part of the season that we haven't already mentioned that we should start the conversation with?
2: So we touched on this a little bit in the intro, but we have, you know, part one and part two now that we've seen the entirety of season four, did we feel like a part one and a part two was earned? I thought it was a little bit confusing of why they
1: wanted to do a part two and then the way they did part two as two movie-long episodes was kind of odd. Um, I guess, I, I get the reason they do this part one and part two, I guess, is to build anticipation and all that. But I feel like sometimes when you watch other shows where they, when they do split the season up into two halves, so you, you, there's usually a cleaner break in the story. This one just like, continues right off of part one pretty easily so I was kind of like why don't they just release this all at once and then the fact that they released the second half and two really long episodes didn't make any sense like either make it all one season
2: or split these two episodes up into four episodes yeah I haven't seen a great reason as to why part of this I do think is a Netflix thing I think they're wanting to kind of double dip in the streaming numbers from their big shows. Season four, part two set a Nielsen record for the most streaming ever in history. So that, that, and that all that went to Netflix. Um, So I think Netflix does want this because they've been kind of losing subscriber counts for the first time in their history. I did see when part one came out that the writer's room for Stranger Things tweeted out that they were still finishing up part two. So maybe they were still working on it at that point and just wanted to get something out. I also saw the Duffer brothers commented on why the episodes in part two were so long. And they basically said they didn't have a great way to break it up into episodes, that they felt like everything needed to be a continuous story, which also isn't a great answer because that's your job as a showrunner. You have to figure out a way to cut it into episodes. So, just a lot of weird comments from everybody involved in the making of this show.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I feel conflicted on it. I mean, like you guys said, I mean, the one good thing that comes from it is the anticipation that built up over the last month was, I mean, it was at an all time high. Uh, this was waiting for season four, part two was definitely the most I've ever anticipated and been excited for Stranger Things content, ever. Uh, So it worked in that sense, but then, you know, once you start the episodes, and 8 is like a a Brenner-focused episode, and it's like, okay, this is interesting, but... I guess I'm surprised that this is getting the chunk of the story.
2: That was surprising to me, too. Yeah,
0: I thought we were kind of past this. Seems like a weird way to start your part, two, And then you get the super long finale. And yeah, like I said, I mean, really what it comes down to when it's like should it have been split up into parts is just that, I don't know, there just wasn't enough interesting character stuff going on, I felt like, to justify four hours or whatever it is of content. If I had, like, loved it and been like, oh, my God, what an epic conclusion, then maybe I would have been like, yeah, sure. Like, I, it built up anticipation, and then it was awesome, so it was worth the wait. But, yeah, there's just – there some things that we'll talk about later here and there that I just felt kind of dragged it down. So at the end of the day, I'm like, yeah, this was still really good, really enjoyed it, but it doesn't seem like it was worth splitting it up because I don't think this content was necessarily worth waiting over a month for or whatever.
2: Let's get into one of those storylines right now, because I I think the Eleven and Papa storyline was the biggest miss of this season. It felt so unimportant, especially in part two. Um, And like you said, Matt, when episode eight is fully focused on Dr. Brenner, I just wasn't interested in that. I was way more interested in seeing what was happening upside down, what I'd been waiting for for a month since part one took a break. And then Brenner steps back in and tries to kidnap her again, which we've already seen happen in the show like four times now with Eleven and Papa. It just felt like that all of that could have been cut out. And Eleven could have been it. I think it would have been interesting if she'd gotten an assist from the government to get back to Hawkins and help out the team there.
0: Yeah, it definitely leads to some good stuff. Like, you know, once you are watching the finale of the show, you can look back on the last episode and go, "Ugh, it sucks to say. But maybe in a fucked up way, Brenner had the right idea that maybe Eleven can stop this current threat. But maybe she needs to become even more powerful to stop what's what's coming. The mind flayer. Um so, yeah, whenever you see Hawkins completely decimated, it's like, oh, maybe he had a point. But, yeah, I, I do end up kind of agreeing. It's like I, and I and I loved seeing him try and get her to forgive him when he died and then she doesn't. That was a good moment. But, yeah, I'm totally with you, Austin. Whenever it was another thing, the door sh- like, sh- slams closed and locks and then he has to drug her. It's like, God, I mean, I get why they're doing this, but it's just we've seen this so many times. So yeah, I'm with you. That, that storyline took up a lot of our four hour plus or whatever it is screen time and it just yeah, you know, I don't know. It, it didn't feel super worth it. It's like the same
1: conversation over and over again. Like you're the monster. No one is the monster. He What did he do? What did she do? And it's like this same old back and forth back and forth where, where Brenner's never really fully communicating his intentions at all. And that got old really quick. Just this you know, nothing of a conversation they would have all the time. Let's jump into the kids getting ready to go back into the upside down world, you know, with them. We talked about it a little bit with them going to actually arm up with some real guns and making shields out of trash cans and nails and all that. Um, I like that whole aspect of them going to like the war zone place in the RV. That was all fun and really funny to watch, actually. Uh,
2: So what did you guys think about all that? I thought this stuff was great. I like that they decided they weren't just going to sit around and wait for Eleven, because that's what a lot of the show has been, is how do we get Eleven into the situation so she can save us? Um, I I like that everybody kind of chose to take agency and and do what they can to save Hawkins, realizing that One and Eleven have the same powers and have to go into kind of that stasis state so they can transport with their minds. um, All that really worked, and I thought it was cool how they used their past experiences to then to learn and adapt to face this new threat in the Upside Down.
0: Yeah, it was really interesting seeing them put a plan together because it just kind of felt like a more mature way to go about things for these characters. Kind of like how we talked about season four as a whole has just been a bit more mature, uh, age appropriate, uh, scarier than past seasons. It feels like the show itself is kind of growing with the characters. Um. yeah, and I think this plan they made kind of reflected that it was really interesting to watch. There were some fun moments, some sad moments, action packed moments. I mean, watching the gang kind of know they're potentially going to their death, but they're still kind of all sitting in a field, getting ready, having a good time. You know, Dustin and Eddie have that moment where he's like, never change, Dustin Henderson. Yeah. So there was a good balance, I think, tonally throughout this entire storyline. Uh, where you could kind of have fun with the characters, but then once you know the plan gets closer and closer to being enacted, it's like ooh, you're kind of getting a little bit scared along with them, and you know you just hope that they don't make any mistakes. And then I will say I I don't know I'm I th- I think you know the Jason character is he amazing I, I wouldn't say so, but he definitely serves his function in the story well. He's kind of this human element that does actually feel like a threat because he's basically rallied the town against our entire gang. Uh, of kids here, and watching him find out that they're at the Creel house, and you're like, oh no, he's going to be the thing that is kind of the wrench in the plan, Um, and watching him show up was genuinely like, oh, it was like, what's going to happen? It was scary. Uh, So yeah, pretty much everything in this story worked. Maybe here and there was a little bit confusing what they were trying to do, but it was still entertaining enough that I was able to look past it, and I just really enjoyed it.
2: I was worried the satanic cult thing was going to get a little lost in part two, but where that led to, a town member seeing something weird at the house and then going to tell Jason and then Jason being the wrench in the plan. I thought that was super cool and and very well done. And I liked that there was actually a payoff to Jason's story.
0: Yeah, I thought there was just so many good moments with it. Um, So much to talk about. But yeah, like even just little things like the plan revolving around Max just kind of serving herself up to Vecna again and it's like oh man and like you kind of understand why but then all the other characters are like you know you don't have to do this and she's like well we can't have anybody else do it That wouldn't be fair to them so that was a great scene yeah just like a little kind of good character moments like that watching her and Lucas sit in silence because they can't talk yet and just kind of write notes to each other where they kind of plan like a movie date then you see that same note uh, up in her hospital room at the end just tons of good and sweet moments I don't know. And then you also just get fully cathartic moments whenever Jason gets ripped in half literally by the earthquake. Love that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> it just, it, it, all of a sudden it's just, ah! And you like, oh my god. <laughs>
0: like, that's it. Like, damn, Jason's gone. Just like that. Speaking of things that I didn't expect, um, and this will tie more into our ending conversation, but yeah, whenever Vecna got lit on fire twice with Molotov cocktails, he got shot multiple times, point blank with a shotgun, flew out a window. And then they walk outside and he's gone. I was like, oh, I kind of expected him to be fully killed uh, this season. But I guess I'm kind of excited about the idea of him being the top general of the Mind Flayer. So I guess the Mind Flayer will be the main villain of season five, but Vecna will still be there. So that that could be interesting. But yeah, I was just surprised that uh, after their plan, I guess technically it did fail because Max still briefly died, allowing the fourth and final gate to be open, causing the earthquake. So yeah, Vecna kind of won this season. He he was kind of right in a sense whenever he told Eleven that, you know, you know this wasn't the end and she had already lost because he kind of ended up winning.
2: I had a feeling Vecna would win in season four in a way, just because we did have a season five coming. I do want to get into Vecna more because I touched on this, how I didn't like that at the end of the day, the, thing, the person in charge of the Upside Down is a human with human motivations and it just kind of felt less scary to me. I still feel that way now having seen all of Season 4. How did you guys feel about going into his backstory in the Upside Down, especially with the veal that he created the Mind Flare and kind of shaped it as opposed to the Mind Flare capturing him and, and him working for the Mind Flare? I didn't really love that he's in charge of everything. I was kind of hoping he was working for the Mind Flare.
0: So, yeah, that's kind of the interesting thing. I guess it would all be up to interpretation. But, yeah, the way I saw it, whenever he showed up into the Upside Down, we did see this weird, like, smoky, strange creature. And I was like, oh, what is that? And also, I'll have to talk about this with the Russia storyline, because they did, in that room where all the organs were being held in stasis or whatever... We did see like a big box that had some of that like same looking smoke in it. I was like, what the fuck's going on with that? But anyway And that's the
2: same thing from the warehouse in season three, I think it is. All of those are pieces of the Mind Flare. Okay. And so he's shaped that's why the Mind Flare kind of looks like a spider, is he shaped it into a spider because he was obsessed with spiders as a kid that's how i took it at least
0: yeah that's how i took it and that reveal was cool kind of like the reason the mind flayer looks like a spider is because henry creel had that childhood obsession and shaped it that way but that's that's kind of the extent that i took it because i mean whenever he shows up the mind flare is already there it just seemed like he gave it shape in a sense um but i'd be curious like did that mean that he gave the mind flayer powers did the mind flayer already have those powers like So, I'm kind of with you, Austin. I mean, it's a little bit kind of like, I'm not sure. Like, did he fully create the mind flare or did he just give it shape? I'm not entirely sure. If he just gave it shape, then I'm fine with that because that means, you know, the mind flare is still kind of in charge and Vecna's just part of it, I guess. Um, But yeah, I'm not entirely sure on that because we didn't get fully into, you know, the ins and outs of that reveal.
1: Yeah, it makes me want to go back and watch, like, rewatch season one to kind of revisit how the Upside Down world works in in, in that season, and now that we know that Vecna is behind a lot of it or all of it or whatever, just to see how that works. Like With the possession of, uh, in season two or three, of Billy, so that was Vecna? He
2: possessed Billy? Apparently everything has been Vecna through the Mind Flare, because the Mind Mm -hmm. Flare is what is the hive mind of the Upside Down, Mm -hmm. so by him shaping it and kind of taking control of it, he is the one essentially in charge of the mind of the Upside Down. Mm. And the people have actually been tweeting out cool things from season one, like anytime something happens, you hear a clock chime. So there are all these like little connections to Vecna throughout the entire show.
0: Yeah, I mean, the idea is exciting. You know, basically Vecna has been using, essentially through four seasons, has just been using the Mind Flayer's power to enact his plans. So the idea that Vecna has been wounded and kind of fucked up, he won't be the main villain of four. Now it's basically like, The Thanos situation, like, fine, I'll do it myself. So now season five, like, it's like the Mind Flayer is going to be the one kind of in full control destroying Hawkins. And that idea feels like good escalation and something I'm excited about. And it'll be cool to see Vecna there in some form doing something. But I'm excited to kind of see the balance of power shift uh, and see what the Mind Flayer can actually do without having to have some general, you know, take some of his power and enact their own plans. So I think that'll be cool.
2: So just so I'm clear, you took it as the Mind flare is still the, the the number one in the Upside Down.
0: Yeah, mainly because there has to be a reason the Mind flare was already there. It seems like the Mind flare was kind of in charge of the Upside Down, and Vecna kind of just showed up and somehow gave it shape, and then Vecna's been weaning off and using some of its power. But I have to imagine like the fact that it's been there longer, it seems to be some sort of superior force of this domain, I have to imagine that it's still the number one, especially now kind of like, you know, with Vecna being defeated in a sense, I I know we already said Vecna, his plan worked and he won, but he still at the same time was kind of defeated. I feel like that's kind of a good way for the writers to show, okay, Vecna is still here, but kind of out of the picture. So now the mind flayer, the actual number one will step in and, you know, show us what it can do. That's the way I'm interpreting it and assuming so, yeah, I still feel like it's the number one, but, you know, not entirely sure.
2: I'm hoping that's what it is. That would be more interesting to me. I took it as Vecna just found this thing and shaped it and used its power. And he has been the one sending everything after Hawkins. He, like the reason why the Upside Down wants to consume Hawkins in the world is because of Vecna, which for me is a little bit less interesting because it's just a human at the end of the day. If the mind player is the one actually in charge and calling the shots, then I'll find out it really interesting in season five. It seems like the mind flare is like taking
1: from him in a way like or at least taking like more of his human self from him every time he uses it I guess because when he fir- when he first finds it he still looks more human he still looks like one and then but now he's you know his body's completely gone he's just like this new form so do you think maybe every time he uses it it takes away more of his life as a human um and, and is he becoming something stronger or do you think maybe he's getting weaker every time he has to use it
0: I think he's somehow been getting stronger yeah, I think you're right. I think it, the reason he looks like that is because of continued use of the power and the upside down. So, yeah, I, I think you're pretty spot on there. And yeah, it seems like he's gotten more powerful. I mean, 11 was not as, you know, easily able to defeat him, so it seems like his time there has, you know, done some good things, although he does still have a physical form that you can kill while he's kind of, you know, in his mind palace, so to speak. So he does have weaknesses like 11 in that sense. It also just made me think that, you know, they could in, they could interpret it this way, where maybe Vecna is the one calling all the shots. You know, Vecna, another name for Vecna, as we know, is literally one. So, you know, maybe he is the number one in that sense, that he does kind of rule the upside down. He does, you know, the plan is his. But even if... We're like, well, that makes the mind flayer less interesting as the main baddie of season five. The thing that we know is the mind flayer, regardless of that, is still the main hive mind. So, Will Byers at the end said that, like, you know, it doesn't matter what we do, it doesn't matter how many Demogorgons, how many Vecna type people we kill, we have to kill the mind flayer because that is essentially the source of everything. Like, we have to kill that. And once we kill that, that will fully destroy. The hive mind that will destroy everything that could haunt us. So maybe Vecna is the one in charge. But I guess what I'm saying is, even if we fully kill Vecna, that won't matter. You still have to kill the Mind Flayer because that is literally the source of all power in the Upside Down.
2: And that's one of the things I'm excited for in season five is to to fully see what the Mind Flayer is capable of. I thought it was cool when Will returns to Hawkins that he gets his little chills and he brings up that he's still connected to it. And I like that you see kind of that shot of the mind flare above hawkins which was what we got all the way back in season one right before the credits rolled on season one was we'll have that vision of the mind flare over hawkins so Mm. i'm super excited to see the payoff to the mind flare actually coming into the real world now
0: do you guys want to jump across the world should we dive into russia Yeah, so in season four, part one, I was definitely of the three of us the lowest on the Russia storyline. The thing I was disappointed in was the fact that that storyline, they took the entire seven episodes to tell it. Because really the end of that storyline is he and uh, Antonov escape the Demogorgon in the fight. And then he and Joyce and Murray are reunited. It felt like, oh, okay, that's interesting. You took seven full hour plus episodes to get to this point. Just felt a little bit dragged out to me. And in part 2, that feeling has certainly not gone away. I definitely like this storyline I think more, but it it is kind of goofy. I mean, like if you remember in part 1, Hopper escapes from prison and then is captured and brought back and then they get out in part 2 and then they go back and then they get out to safety. <laughs> it's <laughs> kind of ridiculous. Um so I didn't care about a lot of this plot line like sure, you know the moment where Antonov convinced Yuri to you know, be a hero that he used to be and fix the fucking helicopter. It was kind of a good moment. But really, in my mind, the only thing worth talking about is the fact that Hopper and Joyce are kind of actually together in a sense now. I don't think we've seen them kiss before, if I recall. So that was a good moment. I like their chemistry. And then they did actually flesh out the concept that Hopper mentioned in part one, where it's like he, he just kind of said, like, I feel like if I could kill the Demogorgon. Like, I feel like I'd be helping Eleven out in some way. And that was kind of weird, but here it was really cool. It's like, oh, okay. Killing these Demogorgons as part of the hive mind will weaken Vecna, which will help Eleven and the crew. So watching them do that was really, really good. Um, And then of course I got to pass it over to you guys, but just watching Hopper grab the sword and fight a Demogorgon one-on-one was awesome.
2: (laughs) It's kind of like what you talked about in the beginning with the journey versus the destination. The journey, was very wonky with the Russia storyline i'll give you that but where we ended up i thought was super fun i will say once they got out and went back in i was sitting there like matt's not gonna like this matt is not <laughs> gonna be happy about that um <laughs> i just had fun with the Russia storyline Hopper's yeah. one of my favorite characters getting joyce over there getting them involved i thought was super cool and the fact that they found the way to get this crew on the other side of the world to still have an impact with what's happening in the Upside Down and all that, the fact that it worked I thought was kind of a good payoff to the storyline. I am glad though that they are out of Russia officially at the end of Season 4 though. (sighs) Me too. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I I did have fun with Russia
1: but yeah, I was ready for them to get back to America uh, for sure. But man, the monsters or Demigorgons, whatever you call them, those those are in Russia are probably the scariest looking ones out of all of the ones we've seen. Like I think because they've been starved. Yeah, like they have like the circle head with the weird weird mouths coming out. It's freaking creepy. But yeah, watching Hopper like have his little like chamber of Secrets Harry Potter moment with like the, the sword and take it on. That was that was cool. Um, but I was kind of I was laughing at Murray though because Murray's like, we just got out of there. Why, why the hell are we going yeah, back? He was the audience there. <laughs> That did kind of line it up with what was going on with L and Max with Vecna. So it was cool, like, all the same moment that they all kind of got out of their, their uh, predicaments that they were in. Besides Max getting her arms and legs broken and being blind.
2: I was sitting there like, where the fuck did this sword come from? But then I remembered that they gave them all weapons to originally fight. So I thought that was a cool payoff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you mentioned Max there, Keith. I was kinda I kinda think she should have died this season. I think it would have been more impactful for the story. I, I didn't want her to die, but the fact that only Eddie died I thought was a cop out. I, I think a, a more of a core character should have also bit the dust this season.
0: Yeah, this was weird. Um like I said earlier, extremely great moment with Max and um Lucas at the end there, acting wise, incredibly emotional. Definitely got teary-eyed there. Um, But you still somehow didn't think Max would die. It's like, okay, she's paralyzed and she can't see. It's going to be a horrible life. But, I mean, it doesn't seem like she's going to die. And then, you know, she does. And it's like, oh, my God, just heartbreaking. Um, And then, like, cutting over and you see Eleven in her mind is also there. Extremely heartbreaking. And then they kind of ruined it. I I honestly got flashes to Rise of Skywalker. Keith's favorite movie. Yeah, great movie. Great film, great film. Uh, They've set up a what? Ray is capable of and then in Rise of Skywalker they just introduced a new power called like force healing like all of a sudden she can just like put her hand on things and bring them back to life and stuff like that. But this kind of felt like that. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I'd be happy to be told I'm wrong, but I understand Eleven is immensely powerful and if she had kept working with Brenner in some form, maybe she would have unlocked even more power. That doesn't change the fact that it was weird as fuck that she just put her hand on Max and then she had like flashes of all their great memories. And then she somehow was able to save Max to the point, I mean, obviously she couldn't fix her arms or wake her up from a coma, but she did literally bring her back from the dead. It was like, what? And this was like the worst example of what you were just saying, Austin. It's like, wow, they just will not kill any of their characters. And it sucks because this is now the third season in a row where they have introduced a character that the audience has gotten really attached to. And then that character dies in that same season. It's like. You have like fucking 40 characters. I'm not saying they deserve to die, but it's like I honestly going into season five, the one thing I'm not excited about is the stakes. I just don't feel the stakes as much because yeah. I just feel like they're going to introduce some new actor or actress in season five and then that person will die. And then somehow our entire like cast that's been around since season one will survive. So, yeah, I mean, the Max stuff was great. Very emotional. It was just weird as hell that Eleven just simply puts her hand on her and she... Is back from the dead.
2: <laughs> and I think you nailed it because Eleven just bringing her back, it, it really takes away from the impact that the moment had with Max dying. Like I was sitting there like shocked that they actually killed Max uh, right after Eddie's death, too. I was like, damn, Eddie and Max bit the dust. And then it completely undoes it when Eleven makes that decision to bring her back. And it felt totally unearned. How crazy would it have been if the cliffhanger to season four had been Max dies the earthquake opens up. Maybe that claims Lucas and Jason. And then the kids are just trapped in the upside down because all these portals are open and Vecna's won. And what I was confused about is like, how back is she? I mean,
1: obviously her arms and legs will heal, but is she going to be blind now? Is she still halfway in the upside
2: down world? Is she going to be like recovered fully? I mean, how is that? How is this going to work? If she's just in the hospital next season and we have to keep cutting to Lucas being sad at her bedside, that's not going to be super interesting. No. But I totally agree with you, Matthew.
1: It's like, they're going to have to learn to let go of at least one or two of these main characters.
0: I mean, yeah, it's just like they're fighting these otherworldly monsters and demons from... An alternate reality. And it's just like, it just seems unrealistic at this point that, like, one of the people that has now done it three or four times has not died. It's just weird.
2: <laughs> Especially coming off of season three when they basically set up Hopper's death and then undo it in the post credits, it kind of felt like the exact same thing with Max this season.
0: Yeah, great point. Great point. Yeah. Going back to kind of the reason we jumped over to the Max thing, I definitely agree with you guys that one of the highlight moments of the season was. The Mike speech to Eleven, his speech actually is really good. And I loved how they kind of cut back and forth between that moment. And then there's other moments throughout the finale that make you call back to. Yeah, it's almost like Mike's words about fighting is kind of somehow resonating with everybody like seeing that moment cut to hopper like you said keith about to get eaten by a demogorgon and then joyce comes in and stops it and they both escape watching hopper later then fight the demogorgon one-on-one with a sword and then watch that cut to steve robin and nancy throwing molotov cocktails and then slow-mo using a sawed-off shotgun to like fight this thing it was just a really cool Yeah, it was like everybody was fighting in their own way. Even even in that scene, I loved how there was a different, you know, kind of um, way you could talk about fighting, because in that same scene, they cut to Lucas basically pleading with Max to, you know, fight for her life kind of in a sense. You know, she's sitting there dying and she she's saying she's not ready to go. And he's like, Max, please don't go. You're going to be okay." So it's kind of he's fighting for her in a different way that isn't like one on one, you know, fist or a sword or anything like that. So I love seeing the way Mike's words seemingly resonated with all of our characters. Um, Yeah, just really, really great moments. Really like that.
2: And I think if I remember correctly during that moment, Kate Bush is blaring as well. Oh, my God. Great choice. I do want to know if after the huge popularity of that song in part one, if they made this decision that if they had a different song playing here and they added that back in.
0: Yep. I bet you're right. Despite that. The fact that they use Kate Bush's running up that hill and they morphed it with like the Stranger Things techno theme was like, that was cool. Whoa, (laughs) that was (laughs) awesome.
2: (laughs) I did like it in separate worlds, too, because I was in the trailer and I was like, when is this going to play?
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I know we joke um, that the Will, Mike and Jonathan storyline and Argyle, of course. It just didn't feel as important at times, and it definitely I think of the four storylines had the least screen time. i I did at least want to say I, I liked their role in the story of kind of once they do get eleven back with them, it's kind of incumbent upon them to give her a way to get in the fight, essentially. And I did really want to call out, I thought another one of the great moments of the season and and the show as a whole that got me teary-eyed was despite the fact that Jonathan Byers, as we joke, will never have an interesting storyline again. Uh, I did love seeing him not um, steal Will's opportunity to come out. Um, I think if he would said, Hey man, I think you like Mike, you know, I saw you, I saw you crying. Just know it's okay. Like that would have been really weird. I just liked that. He kind of told him that he knows he's been distant and, He's his brother, and he loves him, and if he ever needs anything, he can come to him. It was just a really sweet moment, and seeing Will kind of for the first time in like, kind of the whole season, he kind of breaks a little bit, and you can just see that he's kind of happy. He's not downtrodden. He's not sad. He's not depressed or kind of um in his own head. It's kind of the one moment where he does kind of – you kind of see old Will kind of shine through, and he just needed to hear it, and I thought while the storyline was – it was definitely not super interesting. It well, at least it had this great moment that made some of it worth it, I think.
2: I thought with Will and Jonathan, I was just happy they've made them have a moment this season because they haven't really had anything for them to do in a while, like we've talked about. So the payoff there, I thought, was good. I'm glad they're all back in Hawkins now for season five. I, hopefully Jonathan, will will get something to do. Yeah. just anything, please. I want to see I want to know if Will will go back to the upside down, maybe he has a confrontation coming with the Mind Flare. Especially with how much they talked about how he still has that connection to the Upside Down, and now he's back in Hawkins. I think there are big things to come for Will Byers. And maybe a haircut.
1: Oh, man. His haircut's so bad.
0: God. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. I mean, do you guys want to kind of close out and talk about the earthquake itself and kind of the ending, ending of the, of the season here?
2: I was surprised how much time they gave to that this season. I thought we were going to cap off with the earthquake, but then we have... The epilogue a few days later, and we see it's kind of a, a disaster movie now. And it was very interesting to see that the upside down is officially bleeding into the real world now with them walking to that field.
1: Yeah, I thought it was interesting that the earthquake so the earthquake stemmed from all from the four gates or three or four gates. Yeah. So I'm thinking the whole time, I'm like, okay, so are, are the gates just
2: bigger now? Like, is, or is this can people just fall into the upside down world if they just go near the crack? And Nancy's vision at the beginning of part two, there were all these monsters pouring out. So I think it's a way for all the monsters to bleed into the real world.
0: It's a good question, Keith, because we saw the crack cut Jason in two. It's not like he fell into it. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Yeah, I guess. But you're also right. In the vision, they did show monsters coming out. So I am curious what kind of the if that's a gate or if you still have to like. I don't know. I just don't know what, how that works, but then it doesn't really matter because then like the final shot shows, like, like you said, Austin, the upside down is bleeding in. So maybe in a weird way, it's not as hard to get to the upside down anymore because all these gates and the upside down itself is bleeding through. So maybe it won't be as hard.
2: I did also really like the moment with Dustin and Uncle Munson. I thought that yeah. was a great cap off to that storyline.
0: That was another teary-eyed moment for me. Really loved that. I loved a lot of actually the scenes in the epilogue. I thought this was just kind of a great epilogue overall. Love kind of cutting around that um, room where they're all kind of volunteering to help out with everybody that needs help right now. Uh, watching Robin get her moment with, I think, her, the character's name is Vicky. Just seeing that they're like two peas in a pod. Like she was like, do you ever like just talk so much? Like your mind's like moving faster than you can articulate? And Robin's like, I know exactly what you mean. And then it cuts over <laughs> to Steve and he's just like, ah, those crazy kids. <laughs> so I love that. Um, I loved, of course, I mean, we got to talk about Hopper and Eleven reuniting. We all knew it was going to happen, but it was still awesome. So, tons of great little character moments here.
2: And, of course, we got to see the reunion of Will, Jonathan, and Nancy. So, the love triangle's back, baby. think you mean Steve. Not. Steve. It would be weird if Nancy was dating <laughs> oh, both Jonathan it. and Will Byers. <laughs> well, I'll be cutting that.
0: <laughs> yeah, what'd you guys think of that? I mean, this has to be leading to... At least something of note in season five, the element of like, I'm just glad you're okay. And I thought that was all it was going to be. And then like later they do have a conversation where I understand Jonathan's point to a degree, but still it's like, did you get your application letter? And he's like, no, never came because he's dead set on. He feels like he has to stay with his family to kind of protect them and watch over them. But yeah, guys, what is this leading to? Is this just like further cementing the fact that in season five, they're going to realize they're not good for each other. And then Nancy will just get with Steve because that's what they've spent this entire season setting up.
2: First of all, these kids are never going to college because they've never <laughs> been in school. They're always <laughs> in the upside down. They have no GPA or anything. Um, yeah. I think the final shot of the show is going to be Steve and Nancy driving away in an RV. That's, oh. my, that's what my money's ah, on. Interesting. they Jonathan in to
1: break it was funny that Jonathan, whenever Jonathan does reunite with Nancy, he's, she's like, you didn't call or anything. He's like, I couldn't risk contact. That was so dumb. <laughs> I she's like, what? And he goes, I'll explain it all later. She's like, oh, okay.
0: That could have been such a great moment. Wouldn't it have been kind of hype if like whenever, like he sees her, he says something like, I'm so glad you're okay. I know like with Vecna and everything. And she's like, whoa, did you, how do you know about Vecna? And then he's like, oh man, we've been... In the thick of it, we know whenever we were with Eleven or something. It would have been nice to see him acknowledge it and then see Nancy's reaction. Because as it stands, Keith, you're right. It's just kind of like, I know more than you think. It's like, what? Okay, great. (laughs) We we, we know, Jonathan. We're watching the show that you're in. (laughs) This
2: is my friend Argyle. He's really good at mushroom farming.
0: (laughs) What's up, my dudes? (laughs) Oh, Oh, God. All right. Well, with that, let's go ahead and close out. And before we can do that, we have to have our Arnie's Podcast Awards. This is where we take something. Could be positive, could be negative. It's just something we feel deserves a shout out. So, Austin and Keith, what are you thinking today?
1: I'm going to give the Tough Bastard Award to Papa. That guy took like three or four shots with a big-ass sniper rifle. He took one in the leg like coupled couple in the shoulder and then one right through the back and the chest. And he was still talking to Eleven for a good few minutes after all of that. So I'm going to give the Tough Bastard Award to him.
2: I'm going to give the future Nice to See You Award to Joseph Quinn as Eddie Munson. Because yep. there will be a scene in He'll season five when they go back into the Upside Down and Dustin stumbles upon his half-eaten corpse and they have a moment.
0: Oh, shit. I'm going to go ahead and give my award uh, to, of course, the Garth Brooks number 1 Fan Award. I'm going to give it to Jim Hopper because whenever he shows up at the end, I was like, this guy looks like somebody that should be at like, a country concert. <laughs> I was wondering the same thing. I was like, what is that hat he's wearing? Like The wings on it and everything. <laughs> yeah. He looks good, but the outfit was a little questionable, I thought. I guess he is a sheriff, so maybe, maybe it fits, but it still made me go, hmm. Interesting.
2: It was so weird how they were all commenting on how good Hopper looks. I was like, this man looks like he's starving. He looks like a walking chorus. He yeah, does not he look good prison. at all.
0: Yeah, I understand <laughs> he's not like as big, but it's like, you look good. It's like, I feel like shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he had like all those scars on his back too from yeah.
0: being, like, being yeah. whipped or whatever they were doing to him in there. Yeah, kind yeah. of odd, <laughs> for sure. Well, uh, with that, let's go ahead and close out officially. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really would appreciate that to continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you ever get your podcasts really does help us out. At the Arnie's is our social, and the Arnies.media is the website. We'll, of course, be back on Tuesday with our return to the MCU with Thor Love and Thunder. How are we feeling about this one?
2: Uh, Kristen Bale is bald, and I'm excited to see it.
0: Yeah, I'm excited too. I haven't really watched any trailers
1: for it. Maybe like the first teaser trailer, um, but I'm excited to see how it plays out with him and the, uh, the Guardians and see how that, that goes with him leaving Peter Quill.
2: Well, and also last week, uh, we put our thoughts out on what I thought was the worst show of the year so far, and that's the Obi-Wan Kenobi <laughs> show. So if you want to hear our thoughts on that, be sure to go check that out. Lastly, we want to hear from you. So please send us a message on Instagram
1: at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. What did you think of season four, part two of Stranger Things? Will literally any main character die next season? Will our queen, Kate Bush, return for season five? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode.
0: All right. Well, with that, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next time for Thor. And just honestly, just go listen to Kate Bush until then. You can't get enough of it.
2: See ya. Duffer Brothers, please give Will a haircut next season. Please.